2 Kings chapter 2 is where we'll be today. Moving uh, transition from 1 Kings into, into 2 Kings. Uh, I, I love this. So in the message series entitled Firefall, I've been telling you we want to talk about both Elijah and Elisha, and today we make that transition from one to the other. I, I kind of wish these guys, like their names, didn't sound so much alike. Uh, I was raised in church, and I've heard the stories of Elijah and Elisha forever, but I can't tell them apart. I, I don't know really who's, who's who. Um, I, I mean, and, and they're two very separate guys. It would help if like, they were named like Elijah and Kevin you know, or Barney. Um, their names are similar, but, but they're not related. They're, they're two very different men. Elijah is the older one. He's the very important prophet in the Old Testament. I mean, very significant man. Uh, unique in a lot of ways, but f- f- in no small way unique because in all the people who ever lived, in all the Bible uh, stories, for example, Elijah's one of the few who never dies. Like, Elijah doesn't taste death. He's just taken straight into heaven, and that's part of the story today, which is just amazing. That's Elijah. Elisha is his young associate minister. It's his assistant. Elisha was chosen by Elijah earlier in his ministry, and here at this, at this transition time, uh, Elijah will go to glory, and Elisha will step up and take his place. So Elisha's the younger one. Elisha, we actually have more stories about Elisha than Elijah, but it is Elijah who casts a longer shadow through Scripture and through, uh, through salvation history. And so today is the, the handoff, the transition between the two men. And it's just an amazing story. I want us to read it together. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Y'all there? If you're there, say there. All right, let's read it. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. Be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. Y'all see a pattern here? Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Again, Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. 
You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken away from you, then you'll get your request. If not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. What? I mean, what? Uh, I love this story. God is going to do something extraordinary. I mean, I mean, that's the tension. That's the thrill of this entire passage. God's about to do something amazing. Amazing. The thing is, everybody knows that. Everybody seems to know that. I mean, you're told that in verse 1. You were told up front that this is the day that the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind. Like, you know that. And as it turns out, everybody knows that. I don't know how everybody knows. It's like it's been on everybody's calendar for weeks. Everybody just knows that today is Elijah's last day on earth. Everywhere they go, all the preachers come out and go, hey, you know that this is, I mean, everybody knows what day it is and what's about to happen. I find it amazing because what God is going to do on this day is amazing. It's extraordinary. Now, just let me tell you up front, What's true on this day for Elijah and Elisha is true for you every day as well. God is always about to do something extraordinary. This is what God does. It's his full-time job. God is always doing a new thing. God is always creating something new. And God is always breaking into your life with something absolutely extraordinary. God's good at this. So what this means for you, and we're going to preach, we're going to preach a fire to this text in a minute, but I want you to understand how this fits into your life, all right? Since God is always about to do something extraordinary in your life, that means you've always kind of got one job too. You with me? And your job is always to be ready to let go of the past and receive the future God is creating for you. Always, always, always. This is what God is doing, so this is what you have to do. Since God is always calling you forward, God always calls you from the future into the future. God has never not one time called somebody into the past. Always forward. Your life moves in one direction and it's forward. There is no rewind. There is no pause. Always forward and God is the one who leads and God is the one who continues to create this future for you. But you can never move into the future with God as long as you don't know how to let go of the past and the things that are passing away. And in your life, at any moment, something is always passing away. And this is the hard part. So this passage is about big change, right? Big change for Elijah, big change for Elisha. How do you typically handle the, the big changes in your life? And I imagine you've had some. And again, your definition of big change may differ from somebody else's definition a bit. For some of you, a haircut is a big change. I understand uh, that counts. 
But, but I know some of you had some big transitions in your life. Some of you have moved from one place to another, one state to another. Last uh, 9.30 service, we had a family that just got to Woodburn from California. I don't even think there are any roads that do that, y'all. I mean, California to Woodburn, Kentucky. Isn't that amazing? So some of you have made big changes like that. You have moved from one house into another house. Some of you have gone from one job to another job, one school to another school. Change is just a part of life. It's just the seasons of life demand change, require change. When you graduate from middle school to high school, that's a big deal. From high school into whatever you do next, that's a huge deal. And some of you right now are in that place in between high school and what comes next. Some of you just started college. Some of you started your first year of college. That's a big change. That's a big deal. Some of you just sent your first child to college, and that's a huge deal. That's a big deal. Oh, my goodness. That is a big transition. You get married. I mean, you bury your spouse. I mean, you get a diagnosis from the doctor that will forever change your definition of what it means to live in your body. I mean, life is just absolutely full of change, and some of the changes are exciting and welcome. Some of them are very, very difficult. But, but just understand, you must always be doing this because it is God drawing you into the future he's creating, and that means you always have to be following him, and this is what following him looks like, always. You have to be able and willing to let go of all the things that you can't hold on to and receiving the things he's bringing in. It's just so good. This is life, you all, and it is the spiritual life. Now, these transitions that we're talking about, they're all different, all, all different ways in which your life can change and God can change your life. At the same time, there's a certain structure, there's a pattern to it that we can talk about. Every single transition in your life begins here. Something ends. Something ends. In your life, something is almost always ending. And so your job in following the Lord is to always understand what it is in your life at the present moment that's passing away. You need to understand and be aware of that because I think endings are sometimes really, really hard. I think they're very difficult. I think they're difficult for the simple reason that lots and lots of times we don't understand how much something means to us until it's gone. A certain season of your life, you didn't understand how sweet it was. As a matter of fact, sometimes in certain seasons, you think, this is hard, this is horrible, and then it's over, and you think, oh, those are the best days of my life. I mean, you know, you don't always understand what it's worth until it's gone. I just want to tell you, as you listen to this passage, as you think about what I'm saying, be asking yourself, what is it right now at this moment in my life that's passing away? What's ending? Casey and I are still in, we, we've been having this conversation now since yesterday. Uh, we're aware of the fact that we're moving into a different season of life. We're not sure what that season of life is. We kind of, we're really liking the last season of life, you, you know. But life continues to move and you need to understand what time it is and where the Lord is taking you and, and what he's taking away from you. Something ends And every transition begins with that. Now, you've been trained to know that when one door closes, what? Another door opens. Yeah, and that is true, only it's not always that quick. 
You see, what I need to tell you is that you don't always glide out of one door and into the next one. It doesn't work that way. Because often, after something ends, before another door opens, before something else begins, you get sort of stuck in this middle phase. It's this time of uncertainty. This is not fun. Something has ended, a relationship, it's it's a breakup, it's a divorce, your old job is gone, you you have to leave town, you have to move to a new city. I mean, something ends, but then you're kind of stuck. You know, that relationship is over, but I don't have somebody to go to now. That job is over, but I don't have another job yet. I, I know that I can't go back and live here, but I don't have somewhere to live yet. It's this middle place of weirdness and waiting. Throughout Scripture, we are continually told to wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord, because this is where you're going to spend a good part of your life, in between things. And it's hard. It's hard. People lose their minds in this middle phase because we don't often know how to wait on the Lord. Rather than wait for the Lord to open the next door, we'll go kick a door in. You know, rather than wait for the Lord to bring somebody suitable into our life, you know, we'll just go out and we'll find ourselves somebody. The first, you know, first guy with a pulse. You know, bring him home. You know, let him move in. You, you know, as if that ever goes well for you. I mean, understand this period of uncertainty in between. I, I know what I've lost, and it's devastating to lose that, but, but I, I don't know yet what I'm gaining. I don't know what what's going to take its place. It's, it's hard, you all. It, it, it's hard. But understand, on the other side of that, there is a new beginning. God's going to start something new. God doesn't just take away. He gives. And, and if he brings you to a place of emptiness, it's always simply to prepare you for a new season of fullness. If he's emptying your arms at this moment, he's going to fill your arms tomorrow. God is good. You can trust him with your future always. He's going to open a new door. He's going to start something new. He always does. God is good at this. He's good at this. So understand, this is where we find Elijah and Elisha on this particular day, which happens to be the last day of Elijah's life. It's the last day of his life. If somebody told you that today is the last day of your life, how would you spend today? What would you do? Because you got to dig Elijah now. I mean, he does it well. And I love this story for simply the way Elijah chooses to spend the last day of his life. Now, he's with Elisha, right? Elisha goes everywhere with him. And Elisha continues to say, I will never leave you. Now, Elisha knows that this is the last day of Elijah's life. I, I can't really quite figure out what's up with Elisha. He's having a hard time with this. He's really having a hard time with this. Notice how the story itself, the first part of the story, moves by repeating the same episode three times. Three different times, Elijah is told by God to get up and go. Again, it's the last day of his life, you all, and God continues just to tell him where to go. Now, these little trips, they are less than a day trip, but he's covering a lot of miles. 
this little zigzag across the land of Israel, this is a whole lot of walking for Elijah and Elisha, and it's really pretty amazing how the Lord just continues to say, hey, from Gilgal, I want you in Bethel, and Elijah up and says, hey, I'm going to, God wants me in Bethel, and Elisha says, well, wherever you go, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. So they get to Bethel, and all the preachers come out to Elisha, and they say, Elisha, you know this is Elijah's last day with you, and Elisha says, you think I don't know that? Quit talking about that. Like that happens three times. They go to Jericho. Elijah says, I'm going to Jericho. Elisha says, I'm not leaving you. So Elisha goes with them and all the preachers come out and say, you know, this is Elijah's last day with you. And Elisha says, you think I don't know that? Quit talking about that. Like three times. That's the whole story. Three times. You think I don't know that? Quit talking about that. Let's look at, let's, let's look at these guys one at a time and the way they manage this, uh, this big change. You may learn some things about the way you can do change. Um, let's start with the young man. Elisha's the young man. Um, Elisha's really struggling with the ending. You notice that? He knows it's, he knows it's coming, but he don't want to talk about it. Like, don't talk, stop talking about that, you, you know? I'm not leaving you. He's getting all kind of clingy and whiny, you know? And he's clingy. I'm not leaving you. He won't let him out of his sight. He knows that the Lord's going to whisk him away. He won't even let Elijah step in the bathroom by himself. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's the strangest kind of thing. And, and that whole deal about anytime anybody brings up what day it is, Elijah's like, stop talking about that. Endings are just hard. You probably had a lot of endings in your own life. Some of them easier or harder than others, but I think there's always something difficult when something is ending in your life, especially if it was dear to you. Some of you have buried loved ones. Some of you have lost jobs that you love. Some of you have had to change churches. You left the church that you loved. You've been in a relationship that ended and it shattered your heart. I mean, I mean endings are just difficult, but, but you do endings all the time, and you probably have a certain kind of ending style. So think about that. How do you do endings? Like when something is over, how do you deal with it? Now some people, they like to delay the ending. So like you're the person, if you're at a party, and honestly the party's over, like everybody's going home, you, you're doing this like, hey, hey, let's just move this party, let's move this party to Waffle House. Let's just, Waffle, let's go to Waffle House. I mean, you're just wanting to keep the party going, right? I mean, let's just move the party to my house. How many of you are that person? Keep the party going. Yeah, there you go. Y'all are my people. Absolutely. Keep the party going. Just keep it going. You don't like to see anything end, you know? So you just try to look for a way to just keep it all going, to delay the ending. And some of us like to delay endings. I think there's a little bit of that with Elisha. You know, it's like he's going to stay with Elisha, Elijah just as long as he can. I think some of us want to deny endings. I think Elisha's doing a little bit of that. When people bring it up, hey, you know, this is the day that, you know, Elijah moves out and you move up. And Elisha's like, stop talking about that. You know, let's just deny, you know, let's, let's pretend like that's not happening. Some of us do that. You know, it's like it's time for your son to go to college, and like you're freaking out about that. And so, like, you know, he's got to go to college, but you still want to, so you get him like a Western backpack, and you put little gummies in it, you know, and, you know, if he lets you, you still be putting powder on his bottom. I mean, you're just that 
that mama, and you really don't understand that, you know, that, that season of your life is over. He's not your diaper baby anymore, you know. He's still your son, but you've got to move with him into this new season of your life. It's not doing anybody any good that you try to delay that or deny that. The bottom line is, when it's time to say goodbye to something, know how to say goodbye to a season of your life, to whatever it is that is a part of yesterday. You've got to recognize that it's gone. Because if you don't ever turn loose of it, then your hands aren't ready to receive what God wants to do now. If you insist on trading all your tomorrows for just one more yesterday, do you understand? That is not a way to live your life, and God's not going to do that with you. That's not how any of this works. When something is over, you have to let it go. When God calls you to move forward, you've got to step out of what was yesterday and into what is tomorrow. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm just saying I don't think you have any choices. Life moves in one direction, forward, forward. And sometimes you're ready to go with it, and sometimes it's very difficult. It's very difficult to let go of the past, but honestly, when it's time to say goodbye, say goodbye, because that's the only way to get from what is passing away into what God wants to bring into your life. Let it go. Let it go. Which brings us to Elijah. And honestly, Elijah is teaching us a master class in finishing well. I love Elijah. Remember, Elisha's the young man. Elijah is the older man. And I just love the way he does this. Now, in this part of the message, part of what I say will apply a lot to older adults, but it's not only to older adults. So don't think that it's not for all of us. But understand, in the older seasons, the later seasons of life, change becomes different. I think sometimes In a lot of ways, change is easier for us as we get older because we've already experienced so much of it. In another way, I think change becomes more difficult as we get older because we've had to deal with so much of it. As we get older, the losses begin to pile up. There are so many different moments and times and people that we've had to say goodbye to. It becomes very, very difficult. Very difficult. That's why I think Elijah becomes such an amazing model here. I love the way he finishes. And as I've said to you before, no matter what you accomplish in life, no matter how much you acquire or how well you think you live your life, your life will more or less be defined by the way you finish. It matters very little how you start. It matters a great deal how you finish How you finish with your children, not all the mistakes you made when they were small, but how you finish with them, that's what matters. That's what makes this season the most important of all. You want to finish well. So Elijah's living the very last day of his life. Last day of your life, how would you want to spend it? I mean, just honestly... I know you're in church, but just think honestly, what would your answer be? Because my answer, y'all know me, the answer to any question you ask me is the beach. Beach. So I want to be, if it's my last day on earth, please let me spend it 
on the beach. I want to be on the beach. I just want to go be on the beach or Taco Bell. I mean, if it's your last day on earth, don't you want to do breakfast, lunch, and supper at Taco Bell? I mean, and just in case there are no chalupas in heaven, you know, Taco, I mean, it's your last day. It's Elijah's last day on earth. And how does he spend it? Going wherever God sends him. It's his last day on earth, you all. He wakes up in Gilgal, and the first thing God says is, I want you in Bethel. And so Elijah stands up and says, listen, see everybody, I'm on my way to Bethel. Elijah says, you ain't going nowhere without me. And Elijah says, well, come on, buddy, but I'm telling you, it ain't got nothing to do with who goes with him. God has sent him to Bethel. Elijah's going to be in Bethel. It's the last day of his life, and this is still how he lives his life, focused, focused on the voice of the Lord and obeying the will of the Father. I mean, this is his whole life. It's the way he's lived his life up to this point and nothing changes now. See, that's the thing. With a lot of older folks that I see in the world, they change. They change. Like, I don't understand how all of those, you know, boys and girls who grew up during the Depression and they were our parents and grandparents. And, you know, I mean, if we asked for, you know, if we asked for a dollar, they had to tell us what a dollar was worth and how they, you know, walked to school, you know, uphill both ways in a depression, never had a dollar, you know. And they tell you all about the depression. And so many of those depression, you know, people who told us always what a dollar was, was worth, like, where are they now? They're somewhere at a casino. Like one of the number one forms of recreation for senior adults is, is, you know, commercial gambling. The depression people who lectured us, you know, who walked up, you know, the hill both ways, you know, and if you asked for a pair of shoes, they told you how they never had shoes, you know. They somehow later in life forgot all of what they were supposed to have learned. I'm not saying everybody, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I know that we say that with age comes wisdom. I'm saying that's not necessarily true. Getting older doesn't necessarily make you wise. Have you not been to Walmart? <laughs> y'all, not, y'all not been anywhere? I mean, there are a whole lot of older folks that are not wise. I respect them. I love them. They are not wise. You have to learn something from your life. Wisdom is something that comes from the Lord. You have to live your life intentionally. You have to learn and you have to remember what your life has taught you. And you have to finish well. You have to finish with wisdom. You have to finish intentionally. You can't retire before God decides to take you home. Elijah is serving the Lord until the Lord takes him home. Do do you see that? And so the bottom line is, for all of us in this autumn season of our life, you want to leave a mark for Christ on the lives of others. This is your purpose. It was always your purpose, but it hasn't changed now. It's still your purpose. It's still your purpose. You leave a mark for Christ on the lives of others. This is the legacy you want to leave. I, I know, I know, I know. You want to divide up all your china among the grand, you know, the grand, the granddaughters, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Maybe they want your china, they may not. I mean, young people these days, they're not going for China and antiques. Y'all notice that, right? They're minimalist. They call themselves minimalists, which is a polite way of saying they don't want your junk in their house. 
They're minimalists. They, they don't necessarily love your china. They don't necessarily love your antiques. You know, and I know that kind of breaks your heart, but I want you to understand your purpose in life was not to leave a beautiful collection of china. It was to leave a mark for Christ on the lives of others, especially your children and grandchildren. What are you thinking? And none of that changes now. None of this changes. It's not about trying to you know, make them like what you like or, or necessarily follow in your footsteps unless your footsteps are following after the steps of Christ. You have one purpose, to leave a mark for Christ on the lives of others. That does not change. Do not take your eyes off of that focus. Until the very moment the Lord takes him home, man, Elijah is serving the Lord. He leaves no unfinished business. I love it. Last day of his life, God says, go to Bethel. I mean, he goes to Bethel. Go to Jericho. He goes to Jericho. Y'all, these, these are miles. He covers lots of miles on the last day of his life. And I know that you pretty much just wanted to, you know, sit on your porch. Miles he's moving because God's still got business for him. I want you to go to Jericho. Jericho, here I go. I mean, he ups. He goes, it's the last day of his life, and he doesn't even break for lunch. Wherever God goes, wherever God sends him, that's where Elijah wants to be. Leave no unfinished business. Now, this is where I need to talk to everybody. Don't just think I'm talking to old people here. You don't know that this isn't the last day of your life. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You don't know you have another day. And so if there is something right now that you've left unsaid or undone and it's important, you don't know that you have tomorrow. What are you thinking? You really only have today. That's it. And, and if you continue to let things go and, and leave a lot of things unsaid and undone, you're going to meet a day one day with a whole lot of regret. Don't leave unfinished business. What I'm saying is you don't have enough time to put off doing what God's called you to do. You need to be doing that. Whatever it is that you know that you need to be doing, God's laid it on your heart. What are you waiting for? You don't know that you have Monday morning. You better do that today. Your feet better be on the path of obedience today. Oh, Pastor Tim, I, I was thinking about waiting until after I'm out of high school. You don't know that you'll ever finish high school. You don't know that you have another day on this earth. Whatever God's calling you to do, you do that. You do that. That means some of you have got unfinished business with family members. You need to go make peace with family members. You need to do that today. You don't know that you have another day. God's called you to share the gospel with somebody important to you, and you keep putting that off. What are you thinking? That, that you can just put that off until the day it becomes convenient for you? You don't have anything like that kind of time. Everything important to say or do, you better go ahead and say it or do it. What I'm saying is you don't know that you have another day to say I love you or I'm sorry or I forgive you. You don't know that you have another day to say the name of Jesus for your grandchildren. I don't know what you're thinking, but I want you to learn the lesson from Elijah because this is what finishing well looks like. Never, ever takes his eyes off of his purpose. I mean, until, I mean, the Lord literally has to yank him up. Otherwise, he'd still be serving him. You know? So Elijah and Elisha get to the other side of the Jordan River. It's amazing. 
And uh, you know how it is. If somebody's dying, there's usually a last request, one last request. That's how it was on every episode of Gunsmoke. If somebody's about to be hanged, you know, or shot, or they're going to die, you give them a last, you give them a last meal. You, you give them, you know, whatever, your last request. But the last request here, if you notice, Elijah doesn't even have a last request. Instead, what he does is give Elisha a last request. Is there anything else I could do for you before I go? Amazing. Is there anything that I can do for you? And notice what Elisha asked for. If you can understand it, you'd be better off than the rest of us. I really don't know exactly what he's asking for. It's amazing. Elisha replies, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. I want a double measure of of your anointing. The spirit God put in you, on you, I want double that. Okay, okay, first, I don't know, but I don't think that's how spirit works. I mean, you know, I don't think that spirit is measurable or quantifiable. You know what I mean? Like spirit, you don't measure that out in tablespoons. You don't measure that with some sort of yardstick. What does it mean to say, you know, I want twice the amount of spirit that God gave you. I want that on me. I mean, what is he even asking for? Elijah recognizes, a little, you, know, you, know, you, you know, I thought you'd probably ask me for my truck or my dog, you know, or maybe my library full of books, but Elisha, you're asking for something I can't even give. You know, you've asked for a difficult thing. Difficult because that's not Elijah's to give. So Elijah says, here's the thing, Elisha. God's going to grant your request if uh, it, it all depends on what you see when I leave. If, if you're blessed to be able to see me as I step into the spirit realm, if you see that, then I have a feeling God's going to give you what you're asking for. It's not something I can give. And I love that. I love that Elisha, standing on this threshold, you know, standing you know, in between like where he's been the junior prophet and he's about to be the prophet of God, the man of God in, in that place. I love that he's got enough sense to ask for that. You know, because what he's asking for is something that only God can give him. And I think that's important. I want to tell you, always, always seek the things that nobody can give you but God. Make this what your life is about. Make your life about going after, chasing after the things that nobody can give you but God. And you're saying, well, Pastor Tim, what are those things? Well, it's most everything that at present you're probably not interested in, probably not chasing, because most of us, our lives are all about all the things we can get without God. Our lives are about making money. You know, getting a good job or you know, getting our kids into a good college where they can get a degree and get a good job and make money because that's how we define life. You, you go to school, you get a good job, you make money. You buy a house, you, you get married, you have kids, you, you, you try to get a dog. You know, you, you, and, and once you get a house, you just continue to remodel it every four years of your life. Don't ever, you know, this is how we are. We, we want cars, clothes. But I'm telling you, all of these things are, are not the things 
that nobody could give us but God. These are the things you can have in a life when you're not even seeking the Lord. These are the things you can just get by, you know, working hard in the world. But do you understand? If you live your life only seeking after the things that you can have in a life without God, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. You want to make your life about the things that nobody can give you but God. The unquantifiable things, the intangible things, the the things of spirit, the things that you know, you know that you could never have unless God were to give them as a gift. Always seek the things that nobody can give you but God. Quickly, the chariot of fire. What in the world? What is that? You know, I'm, a, I'm an artist, I'm a painter, I have an art history background. I've seen a lot of depictions, paintings of this scene in art history. All of them are wrong. All of them are wrong. Nobody has ever depicted, painted, pictured this scene as it was. Because in all of the pictures, in all the paintings, there's a chariot, you know, swing low. Sweet chair, yeah, coming for to carry me home. Okay, that's a nice song. That's not how it happened. The chariot does not come for transportation. Elijah doesn't take a chariot to heaven. It's not like God sent him an Uber. He doesn't get in the chariot and ride to heaven. All of the paintings, all the pictures, you know, Elijah's up in the chariot, you know, you know, waving goodbye like Santa Claus, you know, heading out across. So that's not what this is. Elijah doesn't ride a chariot into heaven. He rides the wind. A tornado comes down, picks him up, takes him. He's taken off in a whirlwind. Elisha sees this chariot of fire pulled by horses of fire, but it's not transportation. In this story, the function is it separates the two men. It's, you know, Elisha who is going to hang on to Elijah to the last minute. Well, that minute is now past, and this chariot is what separates these men. Elijah didn't ride it off to heaven, but it's the chariot that drives Elisha back into his life and Elijah forward into eternity. That chariot separates the two men. That's the point of this story. But understand, something amazing happens here. Remember, Elijah said, I think God's going to give you what you're asking for, Elisha, but it all depends on what you see. It all depends on what you see when I leave. What does he see? He sees Elijah go. But he sees this heavenly army, chariot, horses on fire. And that's not that, understand, that they just arrived. You know, the point is it's always there, that there is a spiritual reality. And now Elisha sees it. The amazing thing about the chariot of fire, the horses of fire, Elisha's going to see them more than once. Because now he can see. He can see God at work. He can see the invisible God working in a visible world. He understands that there are forces, there's power, there's fire, understand, that this world knows nothing about. And now Elisha's whole life is going to be connected to that. Tear of fire is a sign for Elisha that uh, there's a new beginning. And, And here's the thing. With God's new beginning, your challenge is to to let go of the person you used to be. So, Pastor Tim, that sounds good, but you got to understand, 
I'm kind of set in my ways. Yeah, you can't be. Because your ways are not God's ways. And your thoughts are not God's thoughts. You have to always be ready to change. Always be ready to let the past be in the past. Always let go of the person you used to be and find the new person God is calling you to be. There's a new purpose for Elisha in this new season. My hunch is there's a new purpose for you in this new season. But you've got to be willing to uh, step into it. I know it's hard. It's hard to let go of the old things because you're not so sure about the new things. You're not sure that, that they'll be trustworthy. You're not sure that they'll be as reliable. You're not sure that they will be as important as what you're leaving behind. Can I just tell you, trust him. Trust him. He's been faithful to you in every single season of your life. He will be faithful to you in this coming season as well. Let go. Trust him. I'm telling you, God's about to do something extraordinary in your life. Always. Always. So your job always is to let go of the past and receive the new thing he's about to do. He's about to do something extraordinary in you. Pray with me. Oh, Lord God, in this moment of prayer, we recognize this moment for what it is. It's a moment, and it comes, and it passes, and another moment comes, Lord. It's how life works. It's how time works, Lord. One moment just simply always ticking away into the next, Lord. There's no way for us to speed it up or slow it down or pause it or run it in reverse, Lord. All we can do is live each new day as you create it and bring it to us as a gift. Help us never, Lord, to take for granted the sweet gift of another day of life. And help us, Lord, with our lives to understand what life is for to know you, to love you, to become more like you, and to do your work in the world. Oh, Lord God, as long as we have breath in our lungs and strength in our bones, will you please allow us to serve you, to love you, to know you? Will you just let us, Lord, be used by you until you're ready to take us home? Lord, so many of us, Lord, we, we waste our lives for nothing we accomplish nothing. We dream of nothing, Lord. We just continue to reach out for that which is already within our reach, Lord. Help us to get a strong heart's desire for the things that only you can give, the gifts of grace. Lord, there are those in the sound of my voice who are really struggling to let go of the past, to say goodbye, to be ready, Lord, to start this new thing that you're calling them toward. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll give them the grace today to make it through the uncertainty, to grieve their losses, take your hand and trust you with everything that comes next. And not, not just today, but tomorrow and all through eternity. 
our lives, our time. It's all in your hands, Lord. And we know that you will take care of everything that's in your hands. Keep us, Lord Jesus, each and every one of us, sheltered in your hands. We pray in the name of Jesus who loves us. Amen.